Hello, thank you for calling for Love, Food, Hate, Money. If you would like to make a reservation, you should do that online, like every other thing that you could possibly do these days. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> All right, well, welcome back. Hello, first timers. This is going to be Love, Food, Hate, Money, a podcast where we talk about how much we love food, how much money we spend on it, more or less. My name is Jonah. Uh, and this is going to be co-host Courtney. Hi. And let's jump in on this one. We're going to be talking about actually drinks. Yeah, we should talk about drinks. <laughs> this is a fun experiment on this one. It's kind of related to what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So this is going to be uh, Nika coffee uh, gin. We Gin is probably like the first spirit that we like really started drinking and enjoyed. It's still one of, like one of my favorites probably. Uh, this one comes from pretty well-known. Uh, they're known for their whiskeys more in Is Japan, this Suntory? Uh, Suntory's subsidiary, I believe, but Nika's the actual, like, producer. Um, I wanted you to try that. You got upset because I was going to have you taste this one straight. No chaser. And the uh, reason why is I want to get your opinion on it as you spit it out of your no, mouth. No, I... <laughs> Why is it spicy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, why is it spicy? What uh, it, what do you taste? Is Sichuan a botanical in it or something? <laughs> no, I kind of. Uh, that was kind of what I wanted to uh, talk to you about. Cause it's the line where value and quality in gin is a really weird spot because yeah. there's lots of times like this is a pretty nice bottle. I think it's. 70 ish dollars if you're to buy it at the store um i think that's how much i spent for it i should say and i think it's really good but it also some of the botanicals and things that it talks about on it i don't necessarily like the whole point of distillation is to sort of purify that flavor get to a neutral spirit so gin is interesting because sometimes i don't think that they can get all the flavors that they're like trying to get back into with the different botanicals. Right, to really pull out the essence to kind of give it that balance. So what do you taste? Because I want to talk to you about the tasty notes because I only can, I can only taste one of them realistically without being like, oh yeah. My thought is that the botanicals probably include green tea. Um, there's something like, is there um shishito in there? Totally. I said Sichuan, that was wrong, wrong country. You're much closer. It's the other um, green pepper that Japan's actually known for. You can buy it in the same little packets that you get uh, for your Togarashi, the S&B brand or whatever that is. Oh, um, Sancho? Sancho, yeah. Sancho. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that... that, that I think it overpowers it. I think it's, like, very vice-forward. I think it would mix really, really well. The coffee is the type of still that they use, which is pretty cool. There's a picture of it on the back of the bottle. It looks just like a grain silo almost. Um, Talks about how it contributes to balance and texture and yada yada. Um, But apparently it uses three different types of citrus. It uses yuzu, kabosu, kabosu, and amanatsu, which I assume that those other two are other native citrus that we've never tasted before. Uh I think everyone can... Not everyone, but there's enough people that have had yuzu that they can kind of picture the floral. Floral, sweet, bright. Bright citrus. Like, it's not bitter. It's definitely more of, like, a sweet yeah. characteristic. Um, it also says there's a touch of apple, which is apparently deeply related to the history of the brand. Okay. And then it finishes with the Sancho pepper. But all that is to say that I 
I love this gin, but I don't think I would ever buy it for myself again. Yeah, I think having it out made into a really great cocktail, delicious. I think. And even then, like making a cocktail, like not that you're supposed to mask flavors with making cocktails, like you can use them to. It's more of a balancing or accentuating type situation. Just an interesting on that Venn diagram. I don't Hmm. don't know if this I'm glad we tried it, though. I think it's a fun new kind of flavor profile to have in gin. Yeah, I like getting the different botanical flavor profiles inside of the gins. I think that it helps. I don't know. It gives it a sense of place. But on the other end, like, I just tasted this on show. Maybe the yuzu. Like, if you close one eye and then the other and don't think about it too hard. There wasn't any green tea in that one. It doesn't say that there's any tea. Interesting. It's usually a characteristic you find in a lot of the uh, Japanese blended gins, like Roku, for example, which is one of my absolute favorite gins. Mm-hmm. I believe green tea is at least one of their botanicals, if not using multiple kinds of tea. There's a couple of teas. They're, they use sakura blossoms in, I think, stems. They use yuzu as well. Mm-hmm. Roku's interesting because the brand, like, uh, it's an entry-level brand. For the most part, I mean, it's like a $30 right. bottle and it's in line with like Haku and a lot of the other Suntory entry level mm, base spirits because they have one of almost everything at this point. Right. And but all their bottles are interesting because they are designed specifically for that liquor. So like the Roku bottle, I think, translates to either six or seven. I think it's six sided bottle. And it's in a six sided like glass bottle to like represent that, which is pretty cool. Mm hmm. Yeah, so the reason that this like fits the theme today is we're going to be talking about a restaurant experience we had while we were in Japan um, back in 2019. We got to spend two weeks there. The before times. The before times. <laughs> and I think we both agree that that is our favorite city that we've been to. Yeah, I would say like that Tokyo, Tokyo was just phenomenal. It was lots and lots of fun. Everything about it was something that I would love to go back and do again. Absolutely. And I think for us too, we've spent a lot of time talking about fast food, which I think is a fun entry point for getting to know us in the sense of if you're listening to this almost anywhere in the U S you have those restaurants. That's something that you can identify with. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas this is going to be one of the most unrelatable episodes. Very unrelatable. (laughs) Unless you've also eaten at a Michelin starred three Michelin starred, Japanese kaiseki omakase. Yes. Uh, Lots of words to throw at people. I feel like (laughs) it might be nice to break them down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. That you or me. I am happy to if you don't know the definitions off the top of your head. Uh, I mean, I I think I do. (laughs) Okay. Start us off. Omakase. Omakase is just chef's choice. Kind of let it happen to you, which is there's lots of places that do that here. Uh. It's just a fun, like, it's their word for it. Um, I think that the stupidest one and funniest one is the one at Maple and Ash where it's the I don't give a fuck. Yeah, that's like an omakase. <laughs> same, same. Same, same. And then no choices. Kaiseki. Kaiseki is a traditional, I believe it's a, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, did you hear that? It's the Kaiseki River. <laughs> no, um, it is a I want to say it was a Shinto practice uh, it's, it's related to religion to some degree but it's a specific order of a meal typically practiced by monks but I can't remember which religion specifically we're going to have to get our fact checkers on it uh, the word kaiseki literally means breast pocket stone 
according to <laughs> Wikipedia. Yeah, I, I tasted that. Um, <laughs> I Modern Kaiseki is just hot cuisine. It's an imperial court cuisine. Cuisine in the imperial court. Um, and it would take place in Buddhist temples. Buddhist, okay. Well, half right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so when we were in... Japan, one of the things that was really important to us was to go and try a Michelin star restaurant. I think we ended up at two and then one mm-hmm. that was recognized by the Michelin guide. Um, and this is kind of a tradition that started to three. I thought I thought all of them had stars. I don't or was think, one of them only a Bib Gourmand. I think the pizza place was Bib Gourmand. I mm-hmm. think the soba shop was a one star, but mm-hmm. I will double check on that because I think we'll probably talk about those ones in future episodes just because. There's a lot to unpack. (laughs) And I, for me personally, like I really love hearing about other people's experiences at restaurants, especially when they're this caliber. So hopefully all of our friends here will too. Um, But the tradition of us eating at Michelin star restaurants started when we travel overseas together for the first time. Yep. Uh, We went and ate at Noma in Denmark and we also ate at Amos on that trip. And then... After that, we went to a country that did not have any Michelin star restaurants. Yes. So we went to Lebanon. And then we have Japan and Tokyo specifically. So this restaurant is called Kanda. Um, It is one of the first restaurants in uh, Japan to receive three Michelin stars. They received their stars in 2008. And they have maintained that to this day. A long time. Which is a very long time to do that level of cuisine and service. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that, some of Michelin guide stuff is just politics. I wonder if that is purely based on quality or if there are like, if he's, if he knows a guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, if I had to venture, yes, I'd say quality because that restaurant, aside from the food being phenomenal, it was a gorgeous restaurant. It had, was really beautiful. It was eight seats at a bar. That was the whole restaurant. Really comfy seats, too. For yeah. bar-style seats? For bar seating. With <laughs> arms? Absolutely. And I, <laughs> one of my favorite memories of getting there was how lost we got because we did not pay to have cell phone service in Japan. There's actually really great Wi-Fi all over Tokyo that you can get for free. I wouldn't say really great. There is a medium plus Wi-Fi integrated into their public transit. Uh, that's more than anything we have here. So I would say it's really great. Yeah, it is infinitely better. But uh, the, to say it's really great makes it be like, oh, yeah, no matter where I was, there was a signal and it was great. No, we got lost because we had to keep walking in between the webs of Internet to feel to be like, OK, warmer. <laughs> colder. And it didn't help, too, that this restaurant is basically in a neighborhood, a residential area. Yeah. And then there's, like, one standalone office building. Yeah, it, it lo- and it's doesn't the look like... Floor. It also didn't look like you were allowed in there when we were... I- <laughs> but we also got there before they had opened because we had... They had called us while we were running around, and honestly, I'm shocked that... Or no, they don't even think they called us. I think it was an email. Yeah, I think they and sent through via text or something like that. It was text or email, but Text it was- to email. And we had been at a place that happened to have Wi-Fi at the time. And so we were able to, they changed us to the first seating. We were, I think, second seating. Yeah. Um, so then we, like, ran back to our hotel. I don't even think it was changed. It 
if I remember correctly, it very much sounded like you can either come now or no. <laughs> it's, it's moderately forceful. Well, I, they have this online booking service that I had gone through um, that required me to translate a lot of things from Japanese to English. So it's very possible that the time that we agreed upon was not what I wrote down. Yeah. But it worked out. <laughs> we got there eventually after navigating a few sides that's the thing it was off of like a side street that side was streets. not mm-hmm. signage was not awesome tourists <laughs> going through it's funny to look at all the old pictures of it because you fortunately i think i took a picture of every course except one except you took you, you took a picture of half that course because it was the we'll talk about that in a minute though because <laughs> <laughs> we'll kind of go through somewhat of the like kaiseki order that they went through yeah at least they, they, I don't know if they actually adhere to it. Cause again, we're looking through these pictures in like a traditional format and it looks like there's some, some places where it may be slightly different, but. Well, you think it was I think all this shorter. Is with an, yeah. I think all this is with the asterisk of like, pretty sure, but we could be wrong and just tourists that thought we were doing something and we weren't actually doing it. <laughs> when it's you look up Kanda, it says it is a Kaiseki meal. So. Cool. I mean, <laughs> maybe they changed it. It's possible. But the picture, I, the first picture that you have in this little collage for reference is really funny. And I think that you should share it with people. because I will post all of these on our Instagram when this episode Because we're very out. much the drama because it's just the doorway, to, again, to what looks like a, a, a residential building. But if you, like, zoom into it, <laughs> I look like I'm going to rob the place. Like, oh, my God. That's so funny. I didn't notice that. You are standing there with, like, your hand to one side, like, tilted, kind of cute. And I look like I'm about to take them for all their worth. You look like you're about to Hulk smash through the glass door. I look like I don't know that you can open doors and you only can go through them. It is a really. <laughs> that's so funny. I, yeah, that's Not great. Not that person that, you know, discusses. Again, if you want the pictures, that they'll, they they'll be on Instagram. They'll be on Instagram. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to fill your ears with just talking about things you can't see. <laughs> All right. So first course, when this came out, <laughs> I thought we done messed up. I was you like, sank my battleship. I don't know if I can eat here. I feel really bad because it was the highest of highs. And then like everything came crashing down for you, which was really funny. And then eventually I, I, I rebuilt. But I man, was... to watch the life drain out of your eyes when the first <laughs> course came out was really good. So I am very particular about texture and temperature. So, like, if something... Everything boiling hot all the time. <laughs> Ice cream, give it to me hot. No. I really struggle with, like, cold salads, like, potato salad, macaroni salad, like, stuff like that where it's, like, cold, creamy. She craves the hot mayonnaise, not the cold mayonnaise. Yeah, exactly. Hot mayonnaise for me. Thank you. And so, when the first dish came out and looked like fish jello... <laughs> yeah, um, that's what it looks like. It's great. I thought I was just screwed. For those the- were, I can't even remember what kind of fish those were. They were like teeny tiny little. They looked like minnows almost. Yes. I don't think that's what they were, but they, they it was just a no, bowl. No, I'm fairly certain that that's seaweed on top and not actually fish. No, they were tiny, tiny fish, I think. <laughs> we don't know what we ate. But it was a chawan mushi, which is a cold, typically a custard that is set with like veg and usually like a dashi or a fish stock is in there. Mm-hmm. And um, you all you all get to see this because I I would be curious to hear from people like if this was put in front of you, like what is your first reaction? 
scale of one to ten, are you coming back to this restaurant <laughs> off of this teeny tiny little dish? Also, I think it's funny because these pictures are really beautiful, but they don't exactly show scale. Like that bowl looks like it could be like a six ounce portion of soup, but I think it was like a one ounce little. It wasn't crazy. I would say it was probably like four bites. Dotted with some edamame, it looks like a little little soybeans at that dish flavor it was good it was really good i still wouldn't prefer the texture but flavor wise i thought it was great oh they that's right that was one part of everything in japan that i I guess all restaurant i'm trying to think even some of the fast casual chains every place started you off with towel service oh amazing and i think that's something that would i mean now in the after times i don't know if towel service is appealing to everyone but there is something really nice about going into a spot and them giving you Either a really hot or a really cool towel to sort of like refresh yourself before heading into a meal. Yeah. Also wash your hands before you eat because. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then the next course was the fried abalone with the little moss ball. That Um, one was very good. Which I appreciate the little moss ball just because one of the hallmark items on the Noma tasting menu was a fried ball of moss. Yep. And it was, that one was honestly better than this one from what I remember. But it was, I mean, abalone was good. It had great texture. It was not. A nice light coating. It was super light coating. It was prepared so that it was just the meat. And I feel like there was some sort of citrus that went with it. I can't remember. But there was, it wasn't like abalone. It was not the um, calamari. (laughs) It wasn't calamari sticks. It wasn't the calamari stick that made me weep. And then for third course, um, we there was a sashimi course, and this is where we got really edgy. We ate scorpion fish, um, which if not prepared pop- properly, can be poisonous. Although- I think scorpion fish is the one that it's on that. It's on. It. It's on the tip of the. Don't eat its spines. Yeah, don't eat the spines. We. I don't think at any point we ever had uh, puffer fish or uh, fugu. That was advertised everywhere, though. It, they, it was funny because they had a specific sign that like we eventually learned what the kanji was. Where I was like, oh, they got puffer fish. <laughs> and then there was also the range of like you could go into a sit down restaurant and spend forty five dollars for like a piece of it. And then when we were in, I think it was in Kyoto, you could get a piece for like three dollars on at a street market. Yep. That was the I was like, I feel like if I'm going to eat something that's potentially lethal i probably want to like upcharge i want the middle version yeah i don't think i want well i don't know i might trust the cheap version because those people have been doing it for a while it's an honest living we're fisher folk they probably know um but the scorpion fish had a little accoutrement it was really delicious it's like it's got some tagarashi on it i remember that i remember the fish itself being like ghostly light like it was very really, mild it was Shaved super thin. Incredibly thin. It was it, it was impressive on that alone. Absolutely. And one of the things that I really appreciated about the layout of Conda is that literally Chef Conda, because it's his last name, was standing behind the bar cutting the sashimi, cutting the sushi. Talking to the idiot next to us. <laughs> yeah, talking to the rich playboy that had his weird girlfriend His 19th plus one to that restaurant. It was funny because Conda himself, you, you could sort of see it where he was like, must be nice to my regular. Also, I hate my regulars. <laughs> he had that mooing in his eye of like, ah, yes, Billy, it's you again. He was wonderful, though. He interacted with us. Um, he laughed at us, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, and What's I think that that's... that dish? <laughs> we- it's such a special experience, though, when you get to connect with the person who's making your food. 
especially when the food is like this and it's such a high level and so much work and so much thought is put into it. I mean, even like the restaurant is good enough that he had his own sake made from his hometown, which was really cool. That was like the pairing because we did it with pairing too. So that first course was paired with like his hometown sake that is only made for him. So it was really cool to get to like that unique one of a kind. You can't have this anywhere else. You have similar things, but like this is a weird. I, it's that nice, like oh, this is the one of one bottle. Uh huh. <laughs> and then the course after that was the deep fried tofu, which surprisingly good. I remember that one. The tofu. I've had like agadashi tofu and stuff before, where it's sort of rubbery and weird, but again, good texture. Like it was, it was like super a, creamy and soft. super creamy. It was almost like a mozzarella stick, but without the 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 cheese pull. Exactly. And that one is really beautiful too, because it's got those tiny little leaves in it. It's very beautiful. <laughs> All of, uh, yeah, all of the food. I would say it's funny looking through the pictures really fast. And I wonder if there is intention behind it, but everything sort of went from like a beige to green. There's a few exceptions, but most of the food is in that sort of like. It was a color story. Yeah. Which honestly, I would not put it past them for that to actually be part of the way that the menu is designed. Then we went on to soup mm-hmm. it looks like it's just a, I, I can't remember this dish honestly i don't either full disclosure part of the fun of eating at these restaurants is spending as do you remember how much this meal this costs for right reference around, um 600 spicy potato tacos 600 spicy potato tacos for this i truly don't remember some of the food that i'm looking at so like take <laughs> we really love food and we really hate money because like i don't even remember some of this food, but I still spent the money on it. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing, though. I think that just points to the fact that other dishes were so, like, captivating and delicious that you remember those better. Right. Whereas, like, I'm sure this was an excellent bowl of dashi with the radish on top and yeah, the little flowers. I think flowers. it looks like radish and some little flowers. I feel like there's some, like... I think there's a seafood underneath, but I really don't remember. Yeah. And then this course... Had food good enough that I don't even need one of the... So this is the one where you forgot to take a picture of it. And it was the hand roll court. Actually, no. One of them was a hand roll. This one's a nigiri. One was a nigiri. And the other one... There's a specific name for the... It's a pressed sushi. Yeah. Is what they had called it. Yeah. There's another name for that one. We'd have to have the fact checkers look that up. But the nigiri was something that we have always wanted to try. I felt slightly bad about trying. (laughs) It was, in fact, a three-way. No. (laughs) What the hell? It was <laughs> the highest quality bluefin tuna that you can get. Yep. Um, which, of course, if you know anything about sustainable fishing practices, it's not really awesome. That's like the bot. That is like if you look at the Santa Monica like seafood watch things of things to, to avoid, avoid eating. Yeah, don't that's eat. like number one. Yeah. Um, was it delicious and like super balanced and rich and fatty and like the rice was perfect and the wasabi underneath the fish was perfect. Like easily one of the best bites of food I've ever had. I remember distinctly the, cause I think it was fatty belly mm-hmm. that we had from it. It might've been medium fat, but it had the purest tuna flavor, which was, I mean, it tastes like tuna. I guess a lot of people have had it, but it, it was like such a pure clean version of that flavor. And I remember distinctly the meat itself, like not wanting to stay together. Like as soon as oh, you like, melted in as your soon mouth as you like touched, as soon as you bit into it with your teeth, it felt like it was Moses parting the Red Sea. Like the meat was like trying to get out of the way. It was just like, oh, I'm sorry for being here. I wasn't trying to get in your way. Yeah. 
you know, looking, I, I, it was questionable, but I get why they're overfished because it was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I think for our one bite of it while we were there for two weeks to be prepared by a master at his craft was just so special. That was delicious. Just the right amount of like the wasabi where it was like it, that sort of nasal pepper accented like the intense umami and the rice had just a little just enough of that sushi vinegar. So it was salty and sweet and umami and peppery and whew. Oh, my God. And then, of course, they follow that up with another piece of sushi, which is the pressed one. And this is a piece of mackerel. It's got shiso. It's got a little pickled cucumber. Mm -hmm. And that, for me, that bite of food kind of ruined me. No sushi has been the same since. Like that. And like the tuna, obviously, super special. But I wasn't expecting this like mackerel sushi to be like a game changer. Yeah, because I think that if we get mackerel sushi here in Arizona... We're typically like it's got a not, funk. It's got it's not it's not the flavor you want. And then after that course was the one that we got laughed at about because <laughs> we went in the summer. Um, in summer, there's they really do a wonderful job in Japan of highlighting the local seasonal ingredients. Um, Jonah will tell you more about corn in future episodes. You're gonna hear more about corn at the end of this episode. <laughs> Um, but they also have sweet fish, which is a little guy that they deep fried. And I will post a picture because what they did is they take a skewer <laughs> and they line it up in the sweet fish. So when they deep fry it, the fish comes out looking like it's swimming. Yep. And we, it got sat in front of us and we kind of looked at each other and then we look back at the chef and he goes, you just eat the whole thing. He looked at us <laughs> like, oh, these adorable little children never seen because this i mean it's funny looking at it now now knowing what it is we watch a fair amount of anime and like japanese shows and sweet fish get referenced pretty all the time readily like it's something that if you live in japan like oh i know i know sweet you know what a sweet fish is yeah and so it was like of all the things that made us look like tourists that was distinctly (laughs) like it made him laugh out loud where he was like ah the tourists Uh, and then i think he also told us to eat it head first yeah. Because the tail like is the eat. more crispy part. Yep. <laughs> that was delicious, though. Like It was great. 100%. It was also getting over, like, a childhood trauma for me because there was one point that I remember growing up where I ate fish and I, the bone got caught in the back of my throat. This fish is way too small for that to be an issue, <laughs> but there was, like, a mental block on, like, eating stuff with the bone or eat, chewing through the bones, essentially. Yeah. Real small fish. I mean, we're talking smaller than a pinky. No, it was Maybe it was probably those? two bites. It was a little bit bigger than that. Okay, I well, would say it was not everyone's good as, as swallowing <laughs> pinkies as you are. <laughs> I would say it was probably somewhere between like three and four inches long. And then the next course we had, it was like a fig with tofu cream, um, really delicious palate cleanser. Kind of brought some more freshness since everything had been very. I don't want to say rich because that doesn't feel like the right word, but like very umami, very like balanced, but also could totally um, exhaust your palate had you continued to eat dishes like that back to back. Yeah. And then the next one, we were going back and forth on what this was because I really struggled to remember um, because this was another bite that it was like it wasn't bad, but it was just not my favorite. This one, when you all look at it, 
if you choose to go through this whole tasting with us on the interwebs, this is the the green blob. <laughs> well, it's definitely a green teen foam. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it was cuttlefish. I think you're right. I think it's cuttlefish that's scored so that it flares outward. Yeah, because if you you can see sort of underneath it, probably if you're going to use all the actual technical terms, it's a green tea espuma. Sure, and. The, I th- I'm almost positive it is cuttlefish because we were joking about the cuttlefish that you had had when we Prior. went to the fish market. Yeah. And I just we went to kept, Skiji. Yeah, we went to Skiji. We went to the we didn't actually go to the current one because the we went to the outer we market from the Skiji. old one. Yeah. Not the where they actually do the fish auctions now. Um, but the. Cuttlefish that I had there, I remember like chewing it and it punched back. It we talked about that, I think, in episode two when we were talking about um, calamari. Yeah, it had that similar, like it was fighting texture to the point where I was just like, all right, well, I'm going to find some sort of water to like swallow this. <laughs> so I think we did. I'm pretty sure it was cuttlefish. Yeah, and it one. was texturally really pleasing because you were able to chew through it. There was something about not being able to chew something to being able to chew it that really made you appreciate the technique. Yes. And then we get into... Another one of my favorite bites of food. And this was fun, too, because, again, the chef was interacting with us, showed us how to eat it. He cooked my first piece. Didn't he feed us the food? Didn't he, like, make the bite for you? And yeah, and, but I, he didn't put it in my mouth. Like <laughs> I remember that. That's okay. actually another food story. That's a different food story for another time. But... They basically put out a burnt, like, a little butane burner in, front of, stove. in front of each of us. And then they put a sauce on it. And then they put out two slices of A5 Wagyu beef and then a sabillon with Australian truffles, black truffles on top. That that dish is probably, these are probably bites, ranking all the bites that we of this meal, this is probably bite three. Because those two sushi yes. rolls were one and two. They were so good. I also really like the sweet fish too. Looking back at it, like I remember that having like a really, Truly, like really fresh, and it had like a, a texture from the sea salt that was on the outside of it, like a, the cr- crunch mm-hmm. and the crisp that it had with that like sea salt crunch. It was delicious. But the wagyu with that sabayon, it was great because you ran it through. You first you dipped hot it pot basically in the shabu shabu, mm-hmm. and then. It cooked it, flash cooked it super fast. And then you dip it in the savion with the Australian black truffle. As much of the savion as you can get on it before it melted away. A moment of silence for that dish. It was perfect. It was really, a, really, a really, great really bite good. of food. <laughs> this next one, is it ume? I can't really remember what, the, I'm pretty sure that was pickled plum, yeah? I think it was cherry tomatoes. But oh, I think in the, the toma- style Oh, that's of- right. Yeah, no, it was seasoned cherry tomatoes. I remember that because it was tomato season too. Because it look, it's supposed to look like spaghetti. Yep, it's a little play on spaghetti and. So it's a cold noodle dish, yep. tomato, really bright, really refreshing, kind of like another intermezzo. And then a veggie pancake. No, those are shrimp. I know, but there were vegetables <laughs> in there too. But there's a lot of teeny tiny little shrimp. I remember, that was great. That had a good. Great texture, too. And which was funny, too, because that is very similar to the Ebi burger that McDonald's sells in Japan as they take little tiny shrimps, compact them into a patty and deep fry it. Yep. And this felt like the highest form of that dish. Yeah. I I wonder which came first, because I mean, obviously, we weren't there that long to see, like, when they started doing their little Ebi burgers. But that was a special that was going on. Yep. While, while we, we were, were there, there and tried. 
and it was the it was the same dish, but it was having the three spicy potato taco version versus the 100 spicy potato taco version. <laughs> and then we started to get into dessert, essentially. Um, they did like a gelatin coated. I want to say it was mango. I think so. Um, and they served that with ceremonial grade green tea. And then there was also like a cocktail that went with that. So everything was very like light and refreshing. Um, You had the herbal from the green tea, which was really delicious. I don't know about you, but I left that meal feeling satisfied, Mm -hmm. but not heavy and not like disgustingly full. Yeah, I think that everything, the the pacing of that whole meal was great because it was just enough food. I mean, we'll get into how I ate a little bit afterward. But like it was, uh, it was not a meal that we left and we were like, oh man, we need to go get second dinner. Gotta go get that Ebby burger from McDonald's now for reference. <laughs> they finished us off with a scoop of I want to say it was like a yuzu ice cream. I think so. I remember it being citrusy, but it was delicious. A tasty a last bite, tiny little scoop, perfect. We had paired they well they had paired sake and wine. Throughout the meal, which was really great. Yep. It was worth every spicy potato taco. Absolutely. And that's one of those places where it's like, I don't know that I would necessarily like plan to go there again. I would obviously want to try somewhere else. But Mm -hmm. if somebody was like, I want to go eat in Tokyo for X amount of dollars. I want to get messed up. Like 100% would recommend that because it was just fantastic. And I just was... For a little reference video, um, I found a video on YouTube of a lady who ate there like four months ago or she had posted her video four months ago. And even just seeing what he's doing with the menu now and the seasonality of it, like maybe it was a place I would go back because of how creative. If you go during a different season. Exactly. To see where it goes. Totally. And then, of course, when we were in Japan, we took the train everywhere. We took the train everywhere. And everywhere you go with the train there's vending machines which is great love the vending machines when we were at and it's funny because there's certain vending machines it's like one of one where it's like yeah this is the only vending machine that has that and just randomly rare vending machines (laughs) and it this so and you can find all sorts of like gross quote-unquote gross looking videos of people finding like here's a canned stew vending machine yeah just like weird like oh that shouldn't come out of a vending machine um this one, and I, we went to Japan. I, I love the trip. We, we went in July. We went in July. And there's one thing that I have here in the United States <laughs> in just just ready to go, and that is corn. That we, is, we have corn here. We've got enough corn, plenty of corn. So much corn. And uh, so two weeks out of the year, <laughs> so does Japan. <laughs> And it was the two weeks we were there. And oh my gosh. So ended that meal and then had one more bite afterward. And it was really something. It in The English that was on the machine just said corn latte. I was like, <laughs> okay, if you say so. And it was, it was just corn soup, basically. In I, a little which, cup and it came out hot. It came out hot in the little cup. And there was, I mean, it wasn't the, the, uh, after having had such a great meal, it was weird to have that right afterward, like on the, within probably five minutes, because it's a walk from the 
restaurant to back. We knew to how to get back to the train station. Yeah, well, once we got there, it was fine. I was like, oh, it was just here. Silly us, we're walking in circles. Um, but no, once we got back, got that that corn latte, and uh, there's plenty of stories, of, uh, story after story of me being like, we have to eat the seasonal food, and then every time it was corn. <laughs> Because somehow I thought that in within 10 days, the seasonal food wouldn't be corn. It was corn. And that is the story of of Conda and of corn. <laughs> and I think we'll definitely have more episodes about Japan because obviously to not talk about ramen would just be sacrilege. Um, cocktail bars that we went to, even the coffee shops. I think there's so much to talk about. Lots to unpack in, the, in that trip. So we'll we'll splice that in between some other episodes. Keep you interested, but uh, let us know. Like, what what about this meal would you want to try? What would turn you off? You know, what would turn you on? What would turn you off? <laughs> Is that good for you? Is that do you like that? Because I think one of the things that I love about eating and especially dining at this level is kind of the shared experience. Because I think for you and I, that's like going to a show that we really love, like seeing our favorite band is going and eating at these restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be curious to know, like for other people, like, do you also have this religious experience when you go and eat this type of food or is it more of a, yeah, that was cool. Glad I went. Goodbye money. <laughs> that being said, I, I believe that the sushi robot has quit. It is throwing its tray in the air. And this restaurant can't run without him, so we got to (laughs) go. I was not expecting that. That was very funny. Um, Thank you for listening to Love Food, Hate Money. Uh, This episode and all our episodes are edited and produced by John Watkins of Feather Fiction Studios. Uh, Check us out online at lovefoodhatemoney.com and follow us on all of your favorite social media platforms at Love Food, Hate Money. MySpace, Tumblr. (laughs) We are on Tumblr. We're on Tumblr? Yeah. Nice. Are we on MySpace? No. Mm. Not my favorite then. Mm. Tell your friends and thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Bye. I made a mess.